Section 21 of The Emperor of Portugalia by Selma Lagerlöf. Translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Section 21. The Sunday after Midsummer. The first Sunday after Midsummer Day. There was a grand party at the seine-makers, to which everyone in the Ashdales had been invited. The old man and his daughter-in-law were in the habit of entertaining the whole countryside on this day of each year. Folks wondered, of course, how two people who were so pitiably poor could afford to give a big feast, but to all who knew the whys and wherefores it seemed perfectly natural. As a matter of fact, when the seine-maker was a rich man, he gave his two sons a farmstead each. The elder son wasted his substance in much the same way as old Bengtsa himself had done, and died poor. The younger son, who was the more steady and reliable, kept his portion and even increased it, so that now he was quite well to do. But what he owned at the present time, was as nothing to what he might have had if his father had not recklessly made away with both money and lands to no purpose whatever if such wealth had only come into the hands of the son in his younger days there is no telling to what he might have attained he could have been owner of all the woodlands in the louche district had a shop at broby and a steamer plying lake leuven he might even have been master of the ironworks at Ekeby. Naturally, he found it difficult to excuse the father's careless business methods, but he kept his thoughts to himself. When the crash came for old Bengtsa, a good many persons, Bengtsa among them, expected the son to come to his aid by the sacrifice of his own property. But what good would that have done? It would only have gone to the creditors. It was with the idea in mind that the father should have something to fall back upon when all his possessions were gone, that the son had held on to his own. It was not the fault of the younger son that old Bengtsa had taken up his abode with the widow of the elder son, for he had begged the father more than a hundred times to come and live with him. The father's refusal to accept this offer seemed almost like an act of injustice, for because of it the son got the name of being mean and hard-hearted among those who knew the old man was badly off. Still there was no ill-feeling between the two. The son, accompanied by his wife and children, always drove down to the Ashdales over the steep and perilous mountain road once every summer, just to spend a day with his father. If people had only known how badly he and his wife felt every time they saw the wretched hovel, the ramshackle outhouse, the stony potato patch, and the sister-in-law's ragged children, they would have understood how his heart went out to his father. The worst of all was that the father persisted in giving a big party in their honour. Every time they bade the old man good-bye, they begged him not to invite all the neighbours in when they came again the next year. But he was obdurate. He would not forego his yearly feast, though he could ill afford the expense. Seeing how aged and broken he looked, 
one would hardly have thought there was so much of the old happy-go-lucky old Bengtsa of Lusterby still left in him. But the desire to do things on a grand scale still clung to him. It had caused him misfortune from which he could never recover. The son had learned inadvertently that the old man and the sister-in-law scrimped the whole year just to be able to give a grand spread on the day he was at home. And then it was nothing but eat, eat the whole time. He and his family were hardly out of the wagons before they were served the coffee and all kinds of tempting appetizers. And later came the dinner to all the neighbors with a fish course, a meat course, and game and rice cakes, and fruit mold with whipped cream, and quantities of wines and spirits. It was enough to make one weep. He and his wife did nothing to encourage this foolishness. On the contrary, they brought with them only such plain fare as they were accustomed to have every day. But for all that they could not escape the feasting. Sometimes they felt that rather than let the old man ruin himself on their account, they might better remain away altogether. Yet they feared to do so lest their good intentions should be misinterpreted. And what a strange company they were thrown in with at these parties, old blacksmiths and fishermen and backwoodsmen. If such good substantial folk as the Falla family had not been in the habit of coming too, there would have been no one there with whom they could have exchanged a word. Old Bengtsa's son had liked the late Erik of Falla best, but he also entertained in a high regard for Lars Gunnarsson, the present master of Falla. Lars Gunnarsson came of a rather obscure people, but he was a man who had the good sense to marry well, and who would doubtless forge ahead and gain for himself both wealth and position. When the old man told his son that Lars Gunnarsson was not likely to come to the party this year, the latter was very much disappointed. "'But it's no fault of mine,' old Bengtsa declared. "'Lars isn't exactly my kind, but all the same, on your account I went down to Falla yesterday and invited him.' "'Maybe he's weary of these parties,' said the son. "'Oh, no,' returned old Bengtsa. I'm sure he'd be only too glad to come, but there's something that's keeping him away. He did not explain further just then, but while they were having their coffee, he went back to the subject. You mustn't feel so badly because Lars isn't coming this evening, he said. I don't believe you'd care for his company any more. You don't mean that he's taken to drink? That wasn't such a bad guess. He took to it suddenly in the spring, and since midsummer day he hasn't drawn a sober breath. During these visits the father and son, immediately they had finished their coffee, always went fishing. The old man usually kept very still on these occasions, so as not to scare the fish away. But this year was the exception. He spoke to the son time and again. His words came with difficulty, as always. Still, there seemed to be more life in him now than ordinarily. Evidently, there was something special he wanted to say, 
or rather something he wished to draw from his son he was like one who stands outside an empty house shouting and calling in the hope that somebody will come and open the door to him he harked back to lars gunnarsson several times relating in part what had occurred at the catechetical meeting and he even dragged in all the gossip that had been circulated about lars in the ashdales since eric's death the son granted that lars might not be altogether blameless if he had now begun drinking it was a bad sign i'm curious to see how he get through this day said old bengtsa just then the son felt a nibble and did not have to answer there was nothing in this whole story that had any bearing upon the common interests of himself and his father yet he could not but feel there was some hidden intent back of the old man's words i hope he'll drive over to the parsonage this evening pursued old bengtsa there is forgiveness of sins for him who will seek it a long silence ensued the son was too busy baiting his hook to think of replying besides this was not anything which called for a response presently there came from the old man such a heavy sigh that he had to look over toward him father can't you see you've got a nibble i believe you are letting the perch jerk the rod away from you the old man quickly pulled up his line and released the fish from the hook his fingers seemed to be all thumbs and the perch slipped from his hands back into the water it isn't meant that i shall catch any fish to-day however much i may want to yes there was certainly something he wished the son to say to confess but surely he did not expect him to liken himself to one who was suspected of having caused the death of his father-in-law holbengtsa did not bait his hook again he stood upon a stone with his hands folded his half-dead eyes fixed on the smooth water yes there is pardon for all he said musingly for all who let their old parents lie waiting and freezing in icy chillness pardon even to this day but afterward it will be too late surely this could never have been said for the son's benefit the father was no doubt thinking aloud as is the habit of old people anyhow the son thought he would try to make the old man talk about something else so he said how is the man who went crazy last year getting on oh you mean jan of ruffluck well he has been in his right mind since last fall he'll not be at the party either he's only a poor crofter like myself so him you'll not miss of course this was true enough however the son was so glad of an excuse to speak of someone other than lars gunnarsson that he asked with genuine concern what was wrong with jan of ruffluck oh he's just sick from pining for a daughter who went away about two years ago and who never writes to him the girl who went wrong so you knew about it eh but it isn't because of that he's grieving himself to death it is the awful hardness and lack of love that he can't bear up under this forced colloquy was becoming intolerable 
it made the sun feel all the more uncomfortable i'm going over to the stone farthest out he said i see a lot of fish splashing around it by that move he was out of earshot of his father and there was no further conversation between them for the remainder of the forenoon but go where he would he felt that the dim lustreless eyes of the old man were following him and this time he was actually glad when the guests arrived the dinner was served out of doors when old bengtsa had taken his place at the board he tried to cast off all worry and anxiety when acting as host at a party so much of the old bengtsa of bygone days came to the fore it was easy to guess what manner of man he had once been no one from falla was present but it was plain that lars gunnarsson was in everyone's thoughts which was not surprising since this was the day he had been warned to look out for now of course old bengtsa's son had to listen to further talk about the catechetical meeting at falla and he heard more about the pastor's extraordinary dissertation on the duties of children toward their parents than he cared to hear however he said nothing but old bengtsa must have noticed that he was beginning to be bored for he turned to him with a remark what do you say to all this nils i suppose you're sitting there thinking to yourself it's very strange our lord hasn't written a commandment for parents on how they shall treat their children this was wholly unexpected the son could feel the blood mounting to his face it was as if he had done something dreadful and been caught at it but my dear father he protested i've never said or thought true the old man struck in turning now to his guests i know you will hardly believe what i tell you but it's a fact that this son of mine has never spoken an unkind word to me neither has his wife these remarks were not addressed to anyone in particular nor did anyone feel disposed to respond to them they have been put to some pretty hard tests old bengtsa went on it was a large property they were deprived of they could have been landed proprietors by this time if i had only done the right thing yet they have never uttered a word of complaint and every summer they pay me a visit just to show they are not angry with me the old man's face looked so dead now and his voice sounded so hollow the son could not tell whether he was trying to come out with something or whether he talked merely for talk's sake now it's altogether different with lisa said old bengtsa pointing at the daughter-in-law with whom he lived she scolds me every day for not holding on to my property the daughter-in-law not in the least perturbed retorted with a good-natured laugh and you scold me because i can't find time to patch all the holes in the boy's clothes that's true the old man admitted you see we're not shy we say right out what we think and tell each other everything what i've got is hers and what she's got is mine so i'm beginning to think it is she who is my real child again the son felt embarrassed and troubled as well there was something the old man wanted to force from him 
something of a personal nature but surely he could not expect it to be forthcoming here before all this company it was a great relief to the son of old bengtsa when on looking up he saw lars gunnarsson and his wife standing at the gate not he alone but every one was glad to see them now it was as if all their gloomy misgivings had suddenly been dispelled lars and his wife made profuse apologies for being so late lars had been suffering from a bad headache and had feared he would not be able to come at all but it had abated somewhat so he decided to come to the party thinking he would forget about his aches and pains if he got out among people he looked a bit hollow-eyed but he was as jolly and sociable as he had been the year before he had barely got down the first mouthful of food when he and the son of old bengtsa fell to talking of the lumber business of big profits and interest on loans the poor rustics around about them aghast at the mere mention of these large figures were afraid to open their mouths old bengtsa was the only one who wanted to have his say in the matter since you're talking of money he said i wonder nils if you remember that note for seventeen thousand rix dollars i got from the old ironmaster at Davnes. it was mislaid if you recollect and couldn't be found at the time when i was in such hard straits just the same i wrote to the ironmaster requesting immediate payment but received the reply that he was dying later on after his death the administrators of the estate declared they could find no record of my claim i was informed that it wasn't possible for them to pay me unless i produced the note we searched high and low for it both i and my sons but we couldn't find it you don't mean to tell me that you've come across it at last the son exclaimed it was the strangest thing imaginable the old man went on jan of rufflock came over here one morning and told me he knew for a certainty that the note was in a secret drawer of my cedar chest he had seen me take it out in a dream he said but you must have looked there yes i did search through the secret drawer on the left-hand side but jan said it was in the drawer on the right and then when i looked more carefully i found a secret drawer that i'd never known about and in that lay the note you probably put it there some time when you were in your cups very likely i did the son laid down his knife and fork for a moment then took them up again something in the old man's tone made him a bit wary maybe it's just a hoax he thought to himself aloud he said it was outlawed of course oh yes replied the old man it would doubtless have been so regarded by any other debtor but i rode across to davnes one day and took the note to the new ironmaster who admitted at once that it was good it is as clear as day that i must pay my father's debt old bengtsa he said but you'll have to give me a few weeks grace it is a large sum to pay out all at once that was spoken like a man of honor said the son bringing his hand down heavily on the table 
a sense of gladness stole in upon him in spite of his suspicions to think that it was something so splendid the old man had been holding back from him the whole day i told the ironmaster that he needn't pay me just then that if he would only give me a new note the money could remain in his safe-keeping that was well said the son approvingly there was a strong glad ring in his voice that betrayed an eagerness he would rather not have shown for he knew of old that one could never be quite sure of old bengtsa in the very next breath he might say it was just a yarn you don't believe me observed the old man would you like to see the note run in and get it lisa almost immediately the son had the note before his eyes first he glanced at the signature and recognized the firm legible hand of the ironmaster then he looked at the figures and found them correct he nodded to his wife who sat opposite him that it was all right at the same time passing the note to her knowing how interested she would be to see it the wife examined the note carefully what does this mean she asked payable to lisa pers daughter of lusterby is lisa to have the money yes the old man answered she gets this money because she has been a good daughter to me but this is unfair no it is not unfair drawled the old man in a tired voice i have squared myself and owe nobody anything i might have had one other creditor he added turning to his son but after looking into matters i find that i haven't you mean me i suppose said the son but you don't seem to think i all that the son had wanted to say to the father was left unsaid as he was interrupted by a piercing shriek from the opposite side of the table lars gunnarsson had just seized a bottle of brandy and put it to his mouth his wife screaming from terror was trying to take it from him he held her back until he had emptied half the contents whereupon he set the bottle down and turned to his wife his face flushed his eyes staring wildly his hands clenched didn't you hear it was jan who found the note he said in a hoarse voice all his dreams come true can't you comprehend that the man has the gift of second sight you'll see that something dreadful will happen to me this day as he predicted why he has only cautioned you to be on your guard said the wife you begged and teased me to come here so that i should forget what day it was and now i get this reminder again lars raised the brandy bottle to his lips this time however the wife cast herself upon him with prayers and tears replacing the bottle on the table he said with a laugh keep it keep it for all of me with that he rose and kicked the chair out of his way good-bye to you old bengtsa he said to the host i hope you will pardon my leaving but to-day i must go to a place where i can drink in peace he rushed toward the gate his wife following when he was passing out into the road he pushed her back 
why can't you let me be he cried fiercely i've had my warning and i go to meet my doom end of section 21 read by lars rolander